This City Wire podcast is sponsored by Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust. Scottish Mortgage invests in some of the world's most promising and exceptional companies, from healthcare breakthroughs to electric vehicles to a green energy revolution. Scottish Mortgage takes stakes in businesses shaping our future economy and society. Scottish Mortgage is considered the flagship trust of Edinburgh-based investment managers Bailey Gifford and is the UK's largest investment trust. As with any investment, please note capital is at risk. To find out more, please visit scottishmortgageit.com. Hi, this is Céline Wojak, and I'm here today with Stefan Paul, CEO of Moonfair, and Christian Staub, Managing Director for Europe at Fidelity. Stefan and Christian are with us today to discuss the tie-up between Fidelity and Moonfair. Hi, Christian. Hi, Stefan. Thank you both for joining me. Um, so to start off with, I want to talk about the partnership between Moonfair and Fidelity. Tell me what the long-term goal is here for both businesses and what's the vision within private markets? I guess we should both uh, comment from our own perspectives. And hi, Celine, thank you for, for having <laughs> us. Uh, this is Christian. Um, I mean, this has been quite a long time in the making. When I remember, uh, Stefan, you and I spoke this is now, um, I guess, about two years ago, actually. Uh, and, and it took us um, you know, quite some time to understand each other's businesses, to understand uh, the players involved, uh, and, and to really start to grasp the enormous opportunity that we have by forming uh, this partnership. And, and when I talk about partnership, uh, it's a partnership that extends um, into two areas. One is a distribution partnership whereby Fidelity brings to its B2B business-to-business clients, its corporate clients, the Moonfair platform. Uh, we obviously run money for many of the largest banks, distributors, insurance companies uh, that might have a strong interest in, in private, ac- private asset access. Um, but there's also um, a, a linkage in that Fidelity has taken a minority share in Moonfair uh, because we strongly believe that what Stefan and the team have built uh, is is superb and uh, and 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 will create a lot of value in the future. But Stefan, how about yeah from your vantage point? Yeah, look, first of all, thank you, thank you so much, Celine, for for having us. Delighted to be here and to add to what Christian just said. When we first met, uh, Christian and I, Fidelity International and Moonfair, we we really shared the same mission, which is the democratization of private markets. And uh, we both were united in seeing a problem for private individuals, for private investors to access private equity in particular. And we uh, said, look, it's an access issue, but it's also an education issue. And we wanted really to make this available on a broader scale. And this partnership really is the ideal solution uh, because you know we have a direct-to-consumer business. This is for self-directed investors that know what they do, that understand the asset class. But of course, there are dozens of investors out there that need the advice on asset allocation, on the asset class, on J-curve, on distribution, on illiquidity, etc. And this is exactly where the partnership uh, partnership comes into play. It allows us to address a different customer group uh, that is with uh, the wealth managers and the private banks, uh, and they provide what we at Moonfair can't and won't and do not want provide, which is the advice uh, and uh, the handholding when it comes to the actual process. 
And now it's um, available in Europe and the UK, right? But Moonfair obviously has kind of a global presence. Are you looking to take advantage of that and um, expand a bit more uh, geographically the availability to your clients, Christian? So maybe I'll let uh, Stefan comment on the, the overall Moonfair uh, rollout, uh, which indeed is, is quite global in nature, as it relates to the specific partnership between Moonfair and Fidelity, where again, we're targeting the B2B, so the institutional market. We have started uh, with a select number of markets in continent Europe and the UK. We look to expand from here, but it will be a step-by-step expansion. Uh, remember introducing what is a you know, a very easy to handle, but nevertheless, technologically quite sophisticated platform, introducing such a platform into a large organization requires a multi-month educational and and, um, introductory process. So we we take one step at a time because that's what what we can do as a company. But Stefan, do you want to comment on the broader rollout of Moonfair? Where you have been going quite at pace in recent quarters. Yeah, Sending, uh, you, you said it. Moonfair in the meantime became really the most international player when it comes to um, democratizing private markets in the digital space. We are active and operational in more than 22 countries. Uh, just three weeks ago, we added in one week four countries Israel, Finland, Portugal, and Sweden. Uh, As you know, we are active across all major continents in Asia with our presence in Singapore and in Hong Kong. We are in the meantime in the US and gaining rapid traction there. Uh, We are in Europe, uh, Israel I mentioned, and there's more to come. We are thinking about, of course, expanding our footprint in Asia, even over and beyond Singapore and Hong Kong. And we are also thinking about when it comes to the border Americas, uh, we are thinking about Canada, uh, and one step further, probably not for the next 12 months, but beyond, uh, Latin is also on our uh, um, Go International plan. Um, and this makes us the most uh, prominent and most international player globally. Mm-hmm. And um, just staying on uh, Moonfair and um, what you've been doing with the business for a second, um, Last year, you also set up a secondary market. So I'm curious um, how that's working, because obviously um, providing liquidity is one of the big kind of topics when it comes to democratizing private assets. No, definitely. And this was something that we figured out very early on when we listened to our customers that this liquidity thing is really from a private individual perspective. Uh, an obstacle. Yeah. So what we did is, and it, it took us a while, we developed really, in, in this case, a global innovation. Uh, it's a digital secondary marketplace where after a certain period, you can put your LP stake, your stake into a certain fund, your investment, let's say into a Carlyle. You can put it on our digital marketplace. We have in the meantime, more than 25,000 people onto our platform. So theoretically, all of them could bet on your stake. Uh, And this is done in a fully digitalized process. We have two windows per year. So it's not a daily or weekly liquidity. It's twice a year, uh, but enough uh, to um, secure a path to liquidity. And then we let the private markets forces play. And guess what? You know, we had now 40, 50 transactions on the platform and all of them have been trading above NAV, above the net asset value, which Mm -hmm. represents the the mark-to-market value of 
of the underlying fund. So it's a very, you know, um, well-working, well-functioning marketplace, but you never know. And we wanted to really provide a super professional solution. This is why we have partnered with one of the largest secondary institutional secondary players in the world, which is Lexington Partners, which are great partners into this. And they um, serve as a backstop uh, in case, you know, the market uh, uh, forces don't come to play um, and are de facto, uh, so to say, uh, supporting this path to liquidity with their professional approach. Um, it's new and uh, doesn't exist. And it's really a, a very uh, good solution for, for liquidity, uh, a liquidity mechanism for private individuals. And uh, while we're talking about liquidity, Christian, I'd like to get your opinion on this as well. Um, how do you kind of think about liquidity when it comes to private markets and how do you balance the need to increase access but also protect investors um, from the other side? Sure, Celine. This is a great question. And, um, you know, as I outlined, we very much focus on the, the B2B side of the business. Uh, Stefan, um, at the outset of this conversation, talked about the democratization of private assets, and that's very important for individuals, but it's also important for the institutional clients that we deal with, the distributors, because ultimately they cater to individual clients. So the key parameters that we're working on is indeed the size of the ticket. Uh, remember, many of the most prominent private equity funds uh, require you know, high single-digit or even double-digit million-dollar minimum size tickets, which as a private, you know, you just in normal cases can't do. Um, and therefore bundling these uh, smaller tickets together is, is one of the key advantages that, that this Moonfair platform has. The other piece is indeed around liquidity, uh, because we do know that private clients oftentimes do run into personal situations where they do require liquidity. So adding on what uh, Stefan just described as an additional tool is very important to us as Fidelity as we promote this digital platform and provide access. Um, I think the third one is around education, where again, Fidelity can play a big role. Um, think about a large you know, high, net, high net worth or retail bank in Europe that has literally hundreds, if not thousands of advisors. Those advisors need to be trained, educated. They need to understand the differences between certain private equity sub-asset classes like private debt, uh, private equity, uh, real estate. They need to understand the different thematics, the different risks profiles of, of products that are being launched. So this is where Fidelity with its broad network, its underground presence uh, in you know, all these markets that Stefan is targeting uh, can really help um, and, and accelerate the path for Moonfair. Stefan, did you want to add something? No, I like. Uh, I think Christian said uh, exactly what it is about. You know, it's one thing is the access, yeah, and this is what we are providing. Uh, I would say on a super institutional uh, grade level. You know that we only take the best funds on the platform, so we do the curation. This is extremely important because for the private individual, it's very difficult to differentiate between fund A or fund B in the spectrum. This is why we have a a team of 15 people from within the industry that are doing the selection. We, we look at uh, some 200 funds in a given year and then 20 really make it to the platform. So one is the access and curation point. But as Christian uh, rightly pointed out, the other thing really that is the bottleneck, and this is an, 
in my view, an, an, uh, a task, a Hercules task for the entire industry is the education. Uh, and this is why I'm so glad to be here because every interview and every, you know, being on stage and talking to people helps to educate people about the beauty of this asset class. It's a matter of understanding. And this is where this partnership plays a crucial role, of course, together with the intermediaries, together with the wealth managers, with the private banks, to get you know, this education done and really uh, convince and, and um, uh, find the ground for people to understand what private equity is really about. And uh, Moonfair, I mean, the platform itself is um, open to kind of professional and sophisticated investors, right? Or individuals who go through wealth managers, financial advisors. Um, do you see a time when you will be able to open it up to more retail or uh, mass affluence clients as well? Look, we have already done a step now in the US. We have launched and developed a product. It's a portfolio product. We call it Moonfair Core Portfolio, which is a strategy for buyout. We have Moonfair Growth Portfolio, which is for growth companies. And we will very soon launch also our Moonfair Venture Portfolio, uh, end of April. Uh, so we have baskets and those are available uh, also already for accredited investors. So it's a much larger group. And you know that just in the US, we are talking about 16 million men, uh, people. So it's quite a lot, but th this is not enough. And you know, if we take our mission to democratize private markets, and by the way, I'm so much convinced it's the right thing to do. It, uh, you know, uh, more or less every um, private investor should get access to this asset class. We have to take things further. Uh, one regime which exists in Europe, uh, which we are you know, looking into and pursuing is the ELTIF regime, uh, European Long-Term Investment um, Fund uh, um, uh, Initiative. Uh, it's a regime that allows to go broader and with lower minimum uh, tickets. There are other, we call it wrappers, you know, or shapes and forms, call it like securitization. Uh, we are, of course, following the trend of tokenization. Uh, but, you know, for, for us, it's less a matter of what we uh, innovate and what we come up with ideas. It always has to do with how far the regulators want to go to open up the market space even further. I think they will, they have to, because this discrepancy between you know, private markets and public markets and only few individuals can play private markets professionally, that has to disappear. Hmm. Um, what would you say then to some of the critics of this, though, who think that this is just a disaster waiting to happen? <laughs> Well, you, you mean you know private asset classes as as being risky? Uh, obviously, that's a, a, a topic we should discuss. Um, I think the accumulation of of capital in private asset segment over the last thirty years has been the biggest change in the industry, and it's been a good change because it has fostered innovation. If you think about how difficult it was uh, even 10, 15 years ago for startups, particularly here in Europe, to get access to capital. Uh, you know, close to impossible because the banks wouldn't lend. There is now a very healthy, you know, early stage and late stage uh, um, um, venture capital industry emerging. Uh, private assets, we have actually seen the number of quoted companies being reduced over the last 20 years. They've gone down. But the pool of private companies is X times larger than the pool of public companies. So when you think about true diversification from an individual portfolio perspective, it is crystal clear you know, that private assets needs to be part of it. Now, obviously, you want to go high quality, and this is where Stefan's point is so crucial, that 
private equity doesn't equal private equity. You need to do a lot of, you know, a lot of research to be able to make the right decisions. But as an asset class, you know, it does propose uh, many, many opportunities, in particular in an environment where we have the challenge of yield still being extremely low, close to historic lows, and normal retail client portfolios simply not generating enough yield. And this is where private asset classes, I'm thinking private debt, but also private equity to some extent, can be um, a very helpful tool to bring some constant cash inflow into a traditional portfolio. Yeah, look, if I may add to this and fully align with Christian, but think about it. No one is saying put all your eggs into one basket uh, and play 100% in private equity. But think about it. On average, a private individual today is allocating 2 to 3% of their total portfolio worth to private equity. Uh, on average, a professional investor is allocating 25%. So a huge gap to make up for. And then think about, you know, uh, even um, companies, endowments that are aiming to preserve capital. I'm talking about Yale Endowment. I'm talking about Harvard. I'm talking about, you know, some of the most wealthiest families. They allocate even above 50% to the asset class. So even risk are worse. Capital preserving professional investors are playing it. And there's a reason for it. If you add private equity to a typical portfolio of bond and stocks, Uh, it has two positive impacts. It's reducing risk and it's increasing at the same time um, the yield or the IRR. Um, you know, but what I'm concerned about, and this is uh, what I share with you, Selen, it's there are so many offerings out there. And uh, every day we see some, you know, one playing in real estate or in art or in private equity or in direct deals. It's very confusing and it is super important that the quality is right. Yeah, because for the private individual to select the right pieces uh, for his or her private market strategy, that's really crucial. If you play private equity as an average, as an index, it's not better than the stock markets. You have to play with the top 25, they call it top quartile funds. And this is where professional providers, professional suppliers, professional platforms like Fidelity and us come into play, who have been doing this for 20, 30 years, and who are responsible really on behalf of the private individual to make sure that there is an offering they can trust in. And the lose of trust, yeah, if, if people will lose trust because there are you know, some offerings out there that will not promise what they uh, deliver, what they promise, this is really what concerns me. So um, kind of back to this uh, product question, I'd like to uh, find out, Christian, um, what Fidelity is doing in this area, because you've brought in some teams, aside from the partnership with Moonfair, um, you guys are building some funds and private credits and some other areas as well. Maybe can you tell me a bit about that and how you think you can ensure this quality that Stefan's talking about? Sure, sure. Uh, so Fidelity, historically, you know, we're, we're very much a, a research-based investment company uh, catering to investors around the world, uh, institutional space, but then also directly and indirectly to individual clients or to clients that are saving as part of their employment uh, with a corporation. So we're very, we have a very broad-based client base, and, and therefore we need a very well-diversified offering uh, across all asset classes. 
In fact, one of the other big trends in the asset management industry that we've seen over the last seven to 10 years is that large institutional partners, they want to deal with fewer asset managers, but they deal with those asset managers in a much more holistic and much more strategic fashion, which means if as an asset manager, you want to have a seat at the table of these large institutional asset pools, you need to be able to have a very broad proposition in terms of products and capabilities. And this is clearly where private asset uh, plays a big role. We have had for many, many years, in addition to our liquid uh, offerings in multi-asset equity, fixed income space, we've had a a thriving uh, real estate franchise, Uh, but we have extended, uh, as you rightly point out, Selin, we have extended into private credit uh, space. In fact, in November, we launched our first CLO, the Fidelity Grand Harbor Fund, uh, which uh, is fully aligned to uh, the ESG philosophy and, and has um, uh, is subject to the article SFDR article eight rating, so it has an, an ESG label to it, uh, which which is a key angle. So product that we're developing in private credit space in particular, which will um, you know be communicating in the future around uh, private lending, for example, around uh, structured credit. Uh, all of these initiatives will happen with a very strong sustainability angle in mind. But that means that we selectively launch direct exposure products, um, and we're also very happy to offer to clients a more bundled approach, which Moonfair, uh, and we just discussed this a while ago, which Moonfair is perfectly positioned to uh, provide. Uh, The research angle is very open, uh, is very important, and and the idea of being open platform and integrate third-party product is increasingly important as we talk to our most strategic clients. Yeah, I wanted to ask about that, actually, because obviously Fidelity has this big asset management business, right? And you have um, your funds and you're developing strategies within private markets. And then you've got the partnership with Moonfair, which uh, provides access to maybe third party managers and in the future, your potential competitors. So how do you reconcile those kind of two sides of the business? So we we have offered third-party products in many other areas for for years. I mean, if you think about our multi-asset franchise, uh, there's products available that that invest in a broad range of asset management products across the industry. Uh, In fact, we have a very deep research team that looks at third-party products and has its own parameters to assess the validity of a certain investment proposition. So, So this idea that certain products ought to be open platform and broad range is not, is not foreign to us. Um, but it works for one client base and maybe for a different client base, the approach and the product set is different. So we really try to cater to a diversified book of, uh, of clients. And then um, once you do launch these strategies and you have the CLO product as well, but um, potentially going into private equity and other areas, um, Will there come a time where we'll see Fidelity funds on the Moonfair platform as well? So that could certainly be an an option. Uh, Obviously, every product that Moonfair selects goes through the same, you know, internal research and assessment process, which is independent. Um, So, you know, Fidelity doesn't have a say, doesn't have a vote on the uh, investment committee at Moonfair. That's the right way to, to play this. Uh, but certainly, yeah, there might be products in the future that um, are perfectly aligned to what Moonfair is looking to put into its platform, and uh, we're we're happy to go through that process. 
Stefan, do you want to yeah, mention yeah, something? Celine, yeah, look, look, at the end, and I'm totally convinced, you know, the quality of the product will be, uh, will decide, you know, whether uh, people are, uh, customers are happy, whether they come back. Uh, and I am a big believer in open architecture. Of course, uh, Fidelity is part of it, but there's no obligation whatsoever to put their products uh, onto the platform. They have great products, so I have no doubt that they will make it. Uh, but they undergo exactly the same process, and we are not compromising here. Yeah? This is, again, curation. And if you think about what is our role in, in the play, of course, we have great access. Of course, we have a fantastic, frankly, digital platform. But at the end, it's the trust. The trust that we are building in a broad community. And we take this mission of democratization very serious. You know, if there are players that don't take this serious, that are not uh, striving to have the best offering, unbiased, no compromises on the platform, they will fail. And it's not good for the broader movement that we are standing behind. Great. Thank you so much, both. Thanks. Thank you, Celine. This CityWire podcast is sponsored by Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust. Scottish Mortgage invests in some of the world's most promising and exceptional companies, from healthcare breakthroughs to electric vehicles to a green energy revolution. Scottish Mortgage takes stakes in businesses shaping our future economy and society. As with any investment, capital is at risk.